Hello, and welcome to the fourth edition of Field Sounds, brought to you by the Roundbottom Research Foundation and City Citizens Against More Stimply's Snake Oil. Speak to your neighborhood gossip for details on how More Stimply's tonics cause indigestion and worse. I'm Emily Watkins, and I'm your hostess. with me Dr. Roundbottom, his visiting friend Professor Velderschmidt, and the Foundation's most talented tinkerer, Master Nathaniel Parriott. Thank you for agreeing to be here at the Foundation Laboratory this afternoon, gentlemen. Master Parriott has been hard at work on a device that he believes can break down the recording of the noble fairies into component pieces, allowing us insight into the hidden mysteries within. Isn't that so, Master Parriott? Uh, y yes, miss. Why, Master Parrot, you're blushing. Are you shy to be recorded by the very instrument you built? Uh, y yes. Yes, miss. Don't be silly, Master Parrot. Certainly hundreds of listeners across the four known worlds will be listening to this recording. There is no one here but the four of us at the moment. There is no need to be nervous. At least not right now. Uh, if, if you say so, miss. I do believe... The boy is smitten with your assistant, Julius. The poor boy spends all his time indoors staring at gears and such. I cannot hold it against him. Nine, nine. <clears throat> this new device that Master Perriot has created, inspired by experiments carried out by regular correspondent Mr. Mortalwood, has not been tested before this moment. None of us gathered here have seen the machine function. Is that correct, Master Perriot? Yes, yes, miss. I mean, I've tested it on other recordings, of course. I wouldn't want the thing to explode in the middle of your performance. But I've not used it on fairy music, no, miss. We are all about to hear the results for the first time. Now, without further delay, please, Master Perriot, activate your device. The, uh, the acoustasizer is cast from yellow dolly metal. Uh, I was thinking, talking to you about that, Doctor. It has a particular harmonic properties, um, and with this crystal matrix, so I believe I can use it. Uh, oh, yes, here we go. Curious. It, it almost sounds like human speech, but so garbled. I believe you will find that the vocalizations are reversed. 
Master payout. Oh, of course. Uh, I'll have to compensate for the acoustic mirroring effect. Thank you. However did you know that, Herr Professor? A trivial matter, my lady. In my work with spirits, they often suffer from acoustic mirroring. Speaking backwards, I know the sound better. There, I think I have it. Marvelous, Master Perry. You've solved the mystery. Well, this part of it, anyway. Well, then. When are the moons in this world for next? Another two weeks, I'm afraid. We will be ready by then, won't we, Dr. Roundbottom? Yes, certainly. Let's hear it again. So that settles that matter for now. The gentlemen have adjourned to the drawing room for a drink and to discuss matters of a scientific nature. <laughs> More likely they will be talking cricket or some other foolishness. They have left me here alone to finish this edition. And truthfully, I am grateful for a moment of silence. Actually, I visited Professor Welterschmidt at his university as a part of my grand tour, and I do enjoy his company. But when he and the doctor get together, they become boys again. This transformation is entertaining at first, but I grow rapidly weary of it. If you will indulge me, I would like to tell you a story about my time with Professor Welterschmidt. The university is a cold place, halfway up the slopes of the Grand Tier Mountains. Its buildings are repurposed ruins of an abandoned fortress from the Third Imperial Dynasty. The stones are all carved from the same cold, gray granite, and it is a place without color. The university is perhaps one of the most haunted locales in the four known worlds. Why this is, no one is quite certain. The ghosts share few commonalities. Their dress and manners belong to cultures flung in all directions. The professor's hypothesis is that the great siege of 1321 involved ectoplasmic weaponry, and that the etheric medium of the university acts as some kind of spirit sinkhole. I suspect his theory holds some truth. My primary reason for visiting was the Grand Stacks. The university's libraries contain some of the greatest written works ever known. Many so rare that I cannot find copies to purchase even in the city. The libraries are usually strictly off-limits to women. But thankfully, Professor Welterschmidt is quite connected in the institution, and he was able to secure for me a guest pass. The organizational system was so foreign to me that I gave up any sense of planning in my wanderings, I simply strolled through the shelves until something caught my eye, and then I would take it down, move to a reading table, and immerse myself in whatever the book contained. I learned little of a practical nature, but is that not the point of going to university? It was while exploring the stacks that I encountered my first spirit. 
It appeared in the form of a young boy, barely weaned from his mother. It teetered on short, chubby legs and walked the length of the shelves above my head, oblivious to my presence. It laughed with delight to itself, walking along the edge of the shelf, looking so much like a circus tightrope walker. Professor Welterschmidt had warned me to avoid contact with spirits, that they were unreliable and sometimes dangerous. The university staff and students had measures of protection against the more malignant entities, but I did not. My past was a minor talisman, but they do not waste powerful protections on guests. It was not very clever of me, but I followed the spirit, wishing to see what it would do next. It was only after I'd followed it for half an hour that it turned and presented its true nature to me. A deep red gash ran from shoulder to shoulder where the child's neck met its torso. And the head tottered back when it seemed like nothing more than a flap of tender skin. The gaping, bloody hole was ringed with horrible teeth. The large, unblinking eye of a serpent stared out from the center of its chest. While the baby's head giggled, the bloody moor hissed and a long, sinuous tongue flicked out as if to taste the air. I did not scream. I am very proud of that. When it lunged in my direction, I grabbed the nearest tome and hurled it at the thing. My good fortune has saved me many times, and this was no exception. The tome that I had randomly snatched from the shelves was Mordekin's Bindings and Banishments. The very pages were steeped with ectoplasmic disruptive energies. The spirit vanished. I resolved to stay in more public areas of the library for the rest of my stay. Sometimes I wake up at night, and for a moment, before the webs of sleep clear away, I think that I see that spirit watching me from the darkness of the corner. Very silly, I know. Well, the cylinder's nearly full, so I shall leave this edition at that. Thank you for listening, and good night, wherever you may be.